This show is brought to you by Hunter Creation, helping you find print and online marketing solutions that fit your needs. Visit them at huntercreation.com. Welcome to The Bee Show. This is where we review the previous show to discuss what worked and what didn't, questions that were raised, so we can discuss them a little bit more in detail now that we've had time to reflect on that last show. This is also the chance for you, the listeners, to comment and ask questions. Uh, and to do so, you just look in the show notes for your chance to participate. Now, here are your hosts, Candace Hunter and Susier Lupe. I'm Candace Hunter. And I'm Susier Lupe. And, and welcome, welcome to, to Real Herbalism, Herbalism Radio. Locavore. Doesn't that sound horrible? Actually, it's a weird word. Sounds like an awesome restaurant. Slow food. Slow food. Yeah, Yeah, I can get down with slow food because I like to take forever at the kitchen table. Yeah, to eat or to to cook. I do too. (laughs) I do too. That's that's the family joke is, oh, mom's still eating. Look, it must be time for dinner. Mom's still finished. Just about finished lunch. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I like savoring my food. But that's not what this is about. Locavore is about eating within your biosphere or whatever your yeah the definition the deficient definition seems to vary wildly from like 50 or 100 miles of your house right to up to 400 miles yeah but pretty much it seems like it all boils down to within a day roughly of transport from wherever the food began to your table yeah your tummy i i think i i always think of it as just is it for our valley the valley that yeah. we live in, the Willamette Valley, is it local there? Then I consider, and sometimes is it from Oregon? Yeah. So, and that's certainly a is it from Oregon range. or from our county? Mm-hmm. You know, well, I mean, yeah. we actually have a really big county. So, well, yeah. you know, the one of the restaurant owners I know, her definition is uh, Northwest sourced. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So, so includes Idaho. Idaho, yeah, Washington, Washington uh, British Columbia, Northern Oregon, California, and Northern California. Northern okay, yeah. All right, so that's you. her definition, and you know she runs two restaurants, and she's getting supplied by a lo- by larger suppliers. Mm-hmm. But even like uh, the company like Food Service America, and there's mm-hmm. another one that she uses. Uh, they are tracking where their stuff is coming from, and she has the opportunity to buy from local sources. Uh-huh. Right. So to some extent, it's a little easier for restaurateurs to do. Local or, or you know to use local foods mm-hmm. in their menus, I guess. Then one might have thought, right? Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah nowadays. Yeah, nowadays. especially on this side of the you know in this area, the Pacific Northwest, you can grow stuff all year round. Yeah. I mean, it's a really easy growing environment. Within the last twenty so, years, the di- diversity of diet has really exploded. Mm-hmm. So people, yes. I, when I was growing up, I think I was eleven when I first had pizza. <laughs> wow, that was, that was an exciting thing, right? I know I'm old. So. We had pizza, but it wasn't great pizza, you know. All right. Uh, well, this—I don't know if this was—it was amazing to me. I remember you know? growing up with everything from the good Chicago-style deep dish to. Tartinos. Yeah. (laughs) Well, my mom bought those once or twice, but she really did not like those through most of the years because she said they weren't good for you. So we didn't get a lot. She's right. It's after school food. That's that is most households. It was after school food. Yeah, we had she baked cookies actually when I was in grade school. She baked cookies for us for after school. Nice. It was really idyllic. I mean, it was almost like Norman Rockwell. Yeah. (laughs) And then there was middle school. Uh-huh. Yeah, that did, that did <laughs> well, you know, the thing is, is that we were talking about radiuses, 
you know, mm-hmm. 100 miles, 200 miles, 500 miles. Think about it from a progression of transportation. Right. Yeah. Okay. So in the 1800s, local would have been what horse and wagon, which sure. you could have done in horse and wagon. Yes. Yeah. In your and, little city. Right. <laughs> you, know, you know, so maybe or on the river, right. Yeah. Or, the river. Or, or the river. Yeah. And then 1910, 1820, car starts happening. Yeah. You know, then also that movement switches over trains, of course. And the airplanes. Yeah. You know, airplanes. And, and, and so yeah. your local idea starts to become a larger sphere. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and now, like you know, Lita even said in the conversation, was, you know, almost all of the food in America is transported by semi. Sure. Right. By diesel. So yeah. obviously that radius is increased That's again. Huge, yeah. So it seems like the local war wants to move it to a a radius that's tighter and almost from a different period of time. Yeah, like in, a nineteen twenties yeah. or nineteen thirties time back. period. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. And not that there's anything wrong with that. I just it's an interesting concept to think of what local means to people in different um, eras. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting because you were talking about that, and it got me thinking about one of the people or one of the not people one of the arguments people make against the local war movement is the idea that. If you eat just local, you don't get as much variety. Mm. And what I've found personally is that local means more variety because farmers that are local in my particular community will try things like that um, broccoli rabi, which, you know, it, people don't That's truck. True. They don't That's truck true. broccoli rabi across crow the country. Crow, exactly. mentioned making muffins with crow berry. Yeah. We don't. I, I've never, I've never eaten that. I know right. it grows around here, but I've, I've yeah. never eaten it ever. Exactly, and the wild mushrooms. I mean, in this area, yes. you see a lot of really good wild mushrooms because mm-hmm. that's what we have locally. I'm, you know, but then again, if I went back to you know where I grew up in the Midwest through the winter, yeah, you're going to need trucks to bring you variety because you don't grow a lot in the snow mm-hmm. and the ice. I mean, the ground freezes for six feet down or more, yeah. and it's Fresh food you know is not part of the agenda. It's, it's all going to be yeah. preserved food. Somehow. Yeah, right. And we gave up yeah. that that idea that you harvested in the summer and preserved in the fall, and then that's right. what you ate through the winter. Mm-hmm. Right. We said, well, we can now you know still have the fresh produce coming in from you know, refrigerated trucks, etc. Then that's why preserving is a, a, a lost fell art. Away. Yeah, it fell, fell away, away for a long yeah. time. Now it's yeah. back thanks to the hipsters. Yeah. <laughs> they picked that up. They picked yeah. up knitting. And hey, that's insulting. That means I must be a hipster because I don't think of myself as that, but I've been knitting and preserving for oh, okay, years. Okay, okay. <laughs> well, I, like, I like hipsters. I produced some myself. That was That's my craft. Oh, yes, yeah. so they're younger. <laughs> yeah, but they're considerably younger than me. <laughs> they are, and they're, they're very hipster. Yeah. But, that comes, hipster. but it is really, I'm glad to see that reviving. I'm yes, really glad to see that reviving. Yeah, and it's also bringing more, bringing more of the opportunity to eat locally to mm-hmm. more people. Yep, and it is, you know, I, I have a few few thoughts about you know there's there's a dark side to everything, and with mm-hmm. local war, the there's people have concerns about GMOs one way or the other, and if you have some GMOs like the uh, flavor saver tomato, if you're growing something like that in your area you can leave it in the field to ripen mm. and then bring it in right from right. the field. And that's, right. uh, it's got a long shelf, like, like a one month unrefrigerated shelf life. Right. That is that a, is that a pull for GMOs? It, Cause it, it makes those tomatoes locavore, you know, or right. is it against it? Cause now all those tomatoes can be 
more of them can pre- be produced vine ripened in Florida and brought in. Right. You know, how yeah. is it? Is that a part of it? But I've heard people talk about that issue one. Mm-hmm. No, I don't know. I don't know. I, and I'm not necessarily saying I'm against or for GMOs, but I know right. that's a big, that's a hot topic for a lot of folk. It is and a big one. putting that yeah. in there. The viruses and bacteria that, that plants in this area, the funguses that plants in this area are exposed to because of our wet climate. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. yeah. I can see that as being, that's a big push. What do we put on those plants? How do we grow right. them so that they're safe for us to eat if they're not yeah. from this area? That was another thing that comes up in the discussion, the greater community discussion about local war pros mm-hmm. and cons is the question of just because it's local doesn't necessarily mean it was grown organically. Right. And there isn't for most small farms, the co- you, you can't really get an organic certification right? in part because it's really costly to do so. Yeah. And so, yeah. And some of these native know. plants we can eat, some of them are, they're scarce mm-hmm. because yeah. of some of the bigger farming operations or housing. Housing is one of the big things or, or yeah. plowing under places and turning it into housing developments or, or what have you. And those small local Local native plants are harder and harder to get. Are we? Do we really mm-hmm. want to harvest them? I don't right. know. I mean, I I, yeah. I worry about that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I like it when people are growing these cool things on farms. Yeah. No. Well, I like the because in our particular community we have such a strong independent farmer culture, mm-hmm. and local vores have really supported that, uh-huh. as well as other people who aren't strictly local vore but like to support small organic creative farmers it means that we have a greater opportunity to also get seeds for our own garden that are more creative than you know the burpee stand of seeds which gives you the early girls and the late boys and the you know the same set of five different tomatoes and two carrots and whatnot you know we've got a good variety here yeah i don't know that the whole nation has a good variety yeah yeah it's true the stuff i'm growing this year i got three different heirloom tomatoes i just put in the ground yesterday Mm -hmm. as a matter of fact and i I would never ever be able to buy those in stores this is not going to happen no maybe a farmer's market Right. Well, and you could get them at a farmer's market or if I came over and I got just one of those tomatoes from you, I mm-hmm. could save the seeds from that. It's yeah. really surprisingly easy oh, to save tomato early. seeds. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then I can grow them and we, you know, our community has the seed trades and yep. we have that. We have it here. Yeah, Not but everybody has I, it, I think that it would be really hard if you lived in Lincoln, Nebraska, for instance, mm-hmm. to do a strictly locavore diet. Yeah. I mean, they've got a lot of wonderful farms there. But a lot of those farms are growing like feed corn sure. or for economic exports. reasons. Yeah. And for economic reasons, locavore also limits a lot of people's access. Yeah. You know, because you've got it, it, if you're growing smaller, it's going to be more expensive. Not right. everyone can afford it. It doesn't necessarily mean it's always more expensive. Right. You know, there's, there are things that you can buy that are super easy to grow in this area, for example, that's cheap, cheap to buy in a farm stand. Mm-hmm. Right. Just because, oh, really? You'd like some purslane? I'll, I'll sell, sell you, you some purslane. purslane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Said it's lots there. And lots and lots. And there it is. Five bucks a pound. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just, just, you know, pay me. Yeah. <laughs> You're, I will, I will go pick it from, for you if you pay me. Yeah. Because <laughs> I need it. But that's a, that's a part of it is the economics of it and, and the geography of can't, to be locavore. Sometimes you need to be able to preserve it yourself. 
Yes. Because yeah. it's not sold in stores. Yeah. I, it's one of those things that I think sometimes becomes a bit of a <coughs> cut. If you want to cut it here, I think Dylan's at the door. Must be him, but I'm not So one of the things that came up for me after we had our discussion is a lot of guilt, actually, because I don't eat totally local Mm -hmm. and I feel really guilty about it. I think that's part of, in a way, it's kind of like a question of class. I mean, I can't afford to always eat local because I don't have the time and energy to supplement our foods with, you know, a good garden. Sure. I don't garden really well. So uh, to be able to afford to have that percentage of my budget going to food Mm -hmm. you know i would either need to have a much higher paying job (laughs) or i would need to be gardening yeah for me it's the the time issues i i know how to preserve i know how to make my own food but i'm Mm -hmm. working a couple of jobs and exactly yeah there isn't the physical time to do it i have the the geography to do it you know you have the you've got the gardening capacity i've got the gardening capacity i have canning jars i do can yeah um i dry foods i do a lot of that stuff but and we do so much more we do a lot of that but through the winter i'm not a housewife you know know? exactly (laughs) and people that live in apartments that's a bind for them too Mm -hmm. you know where do they store all this stuff where do they store the equipment to, to can where do they store the the stuff when they're done with it that's to sustain yourself with, you know, a, a bounty of plums or whatever, yeah. you have to put mm-hmm. it somewhere. You do. Yeah. I mean, I've got a giant set of shelving yes, in my garage <laughs> to store a lot <laughs> of, do. and I do, and I've got another big pantry. I mean, I've got space to keep the things I preserve, mm-hmm. but in honesty, the things I preserve are not nearly enough to sustain a family without having to go out and buy more, mm-hmm. you know? So we, we still have to spend money on food through the year. Right. And one of the things that I, after thinking about it, I started thinking about, well, you know, if you think about it in terms of the percentage of your income spent on food, Mm -hmm. if you're saying locavore, then that means that as a, as a lower income person, you're going to have a much higher percent of your budget spent on food, no matter how you're eating, Mm -hmm. whether you're eating at Taco Bell or you're eating fresh, organic, everything from the garden. Mm-hmm. It's still the same. It's a larger percentage of your whole income that's going to go toward your food production. Right. And if you're from the middle class or the upper classes, the percentage that you need to spend just to get by is going to decrease. Mm-hmm. And you have a bigger percentage for other things. So in thinking about it from that perspective, I thought, you know, I'm not the upper class. I'm not mm-hmm. a super wealthy woman. So mm-hmm. my percentage of what I have to spend on food is actually fairly high, large yes. percentage of my income. But to make good choices, at, given my what I've got to work with, I can eat as local as I reasonably can. I can buy from the farmer's market when it's the right season. Right. I can choose organics when my budget allows. Yeah. And I can choose to do things like go to the 100-mile bakery for my coffee break when I've got right. a meeting. I mean- because it doesn't you seem know. to matter where you buy coffee, you're not getting away with a cup of coffee for less than three bucks anywhere. Exactly. So yeah, might as well go somewhere local. And that's what it comes down to is you're educating yourself. Don't assume that farmer's market is always going to be expensive. Some stuff is going to be expensive. Yeah. Going to the the big grocery store, some grocery stores ha- are the flour is cheaper in one grocery store mm-hmm. than in another. Going to Costco, there are some stuff that that I buy at Costco, right. but I don't buy at other places because I know it's cheaper and some stuff I stay completely away from. Exactly. You just gotta, yeah. you gotta know your territory. There's there, ignorance is truly expensive. It is. It is yeah. amazingly expensive. Yeah. So the, 
you can be a locavore. It takes a lot of work, but it takes a lot of work just to buy food anyway. It does. And, and honestly, if you're going to do that much work, yeah. you should love what you're doing. Yeah. And so. don't let guilt keep you from from making that choice. I mean, every every step that you take along the way, you know, you're always going to have progress to make. So make yeah. it make it fun, you know, mm-hmm. make it, oh, this is something new have I Have the to kind learn. of passion Lita has about doing what she yeah. does. You yeah. know, bring that passion to your choices, whether it's you're choosing to go to her restaurant because you don't want to cook yeah. it yourself or whether it's you're going to bring a, a tomato in and turn it into salsa in yeah. your own kitchen. Yeah. You know, just have Being passion. Being new at something can be fun too. <laughs> <laughs> now it's time for a Real Herbalism Radio sponsor break. Hunter Creation is a full-service graphic design studio. They offer design for print like business cards, brochures, and large format banners. They also offer design for web specializing in self-hosted WordPress sites, e-commerce, and single splash pages. To top it all off, they can get just about anything printed for you at amazing prices, whether or not they do the design work. Visit their site at huntercreation.com for more information. Now, back to the show. Herbalism 101. This is part of the show where Sue and Candace answer a listener question or teach you about an herbal definition or term covering basic to advanced herbal knowledge. If you would like the dirt on herbs, herbalism, or anything else related, you can send your question using our simple contact form at realherbalismradio.com slash herbalism101. If we choose your question for the show, we will send you a free PDF ebook, Natural Nutrition by the Practical Herbalist, currently available for $4.99 at the Practical Herbalist store. Here's Candace and Sue to discuss this show's Herbalism 101 topic. This week's question comes from Danielle. Danielle writes, Hello from Upper Black Eddy, Pennsylvania. I have a question about chickweed. It grows so abundant on our farm and almost year-round. I use it in as many ways as possible. My favorite is cutting it fresh and throwing it into my bath with some Epsom salt. I make a lot of herbal bath soaks and wanted to use it for a gift for a friend. I read, I then read online that most of its better qualities are lost in the drying process. So my question is, can I dehydrate chickweed and still have the great benefits it contains? Happy spring, Danielle. Well, Candace, Sue, can she? Well, sure she can. It's a free country. You can do what you feel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you betcha. That it's true that some of the properties are water soluble, and boy, chickweed is a lot, a lot of water, a lot of water, high yeah. moisture content. We were, you know, it'll vary from uh, from uh, season to season how right. much water is in it and when you harvest it. But uh, eighty five to ninety percent. Yeah, it's a really high, very one. high, kind of like cleavers. Yes, really, really high in water. Yeah. Very. It's much one of those so. nice moist spring. Water affiliated herbs. Mm-hmm. Yep. Cooling. And if you are wanting to make something with it, like an oil or something like that, an infused oil, then the, gosh. The dehydrated version is probably better. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Unless you're pressing chickweed juice, maybe, but even then you'd probably want to heat it to get drive off most of the liquid. The, the, the water, yeah. Because the water with the oil can make some, it makes you susceptible to like rancidity. Mm-hmm. And I've seen some stuff online about, well, make chickweed oil and turn it into a salve and you could add essential oil to it 
I don't know why you wouldn't add essential oil to I it. I would think you'd want to add both essential oil and vitamin E to help preserve it. Yeah, the preservative yeah. value alone, and mm-hmm. you know, just for a, a few ounces, like a if you had like a eight ounce pot of chickweed salve that you're making, you know, mm-hmm. to add twenty to thirty drops of an essential oil, that is not unreasonable. No, it's not very, and you don't have to. Go with one of the expensive essential oils. I mean, you can put a little lavender in there. Sure. Yeah, it'd be good for your skin stuff. But yeah, adding it to your bath, that's great. We mentioned that Mm -hmm. on our site. that We have a a little herbal encyclopedia thing, chickweed skin rejuvenator, and it'll talk about the medicinal properties and different things like that. And, you know, another interesting thing about chickweed is if you're making the tincture, you do need to make it fresh. Yeah, it's better to make the tincture with fresh. Mm-hmm. For dried stuff, if if you're going to dry it, I would recommend drying it on very low heat with a dehydrator rather than just hanging to dry because mm-hmm. it'll take too long if you hang it to dry and the result yes. will end up be most likely you might catch mold on it. Oh, you definitely will. <clears throat> it's just going to turn into a mush pile. Right. Yeah. And if you dry it on the higher heat, then you're going to end up really just frying it. Yeah. Which and isn't going to be helpful. If you're drying it in your oven, make sure that you have either like a cloth underneath it or like cheesecloth underneath it. Yeah. Otherwise, it's going to stick to yeah. the pan. <laughs> yeah. That'd yeah. Yeah. Personal experience talking here. Um, or... You know, I know some people have greased their pan and try it that way. Not with chickweed. That's no. not going to work. Probably a parchment. Baker's parchment would Baker's work. Baker's parchment would be good. Yeah. Wax paper, probably not so much so because wax paper does actually have a film of wax on it, whereas the Baker's parchment is cleaner. Mm-hmm. And you're so. you're drying it at pretty low heat anyway. But if you're, if you're wanting to make some uh, healing salve or healing oil or something like that, then I... If you are using fresh and people do use that, really need to use the heat processed mm-hmm. uh, oil that we have a recipe for both heat infused yeah. and cold infused oils and really keep an eye on it. That that water can make things really musky really fast. So I've dehydrated it and added it with other things like yarrow and stuff mm-hmm. like that for a mixed oil. Uh, for salves and it's worked great i mean it's an awesome medicinal plant yeah and it would also probably work really well frozen right excellent way to do it you can either do the frozen herbal ice cubes Mm -hmm. or you could loosely pack it like on a tray and then pack it into um, plastic containers yeah you don't want to crush it too much if you were to take it put it in your blender with a little bit of water you don't have to add much because there's so much water in there anyway and then put them in the ice cube tray Mm -hmm. Yeah, that works really well. Perfectly. Yeah, then you've got a lovely cooling for your tea Mm -hmm. or addition to, honestly, you can put it in soups and things too. Yeah, yeah. Really good for animals. Yes, yes. And you can use frozen chickweed ice cubes topically later. Like if you have a skin condition that you're dealing with through Mm -hmm. the winter, right? you take that ice cube out, rub it on, and then stick it in a little plastic bag and stick it back in the fridge. Yeah. (laughs) Keep taking it out and using it. It's it's so great that they think about the the saponins that are in uh, chickweed. And if you have a burn, Mm -hmm. I mean, that... That's really, really good. It, it passes through. It's not very permeable in your intestinal tract, but the uh, saponins really do work for your mucous membranes. Mm-hmm. So 
having that uh, chickweed ice cube that you're sucking on. If you have a sore throat, throat. Yes. really great. Or if you have a sinus infection or something like that, or putting on a burn, a sunburn, well, that would be very refreshing. So you might want to invest in an extra freezer. Yeah. (laughs) So you can pass out herbal ice cubes to your friends and family through the winter. Just have your little tray and mark it. This is my chickweed tray. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. Thank well, you very yeah, thank much. Thank you for your question. Now it's time for herbalism and homesteading news. So, guys, I found this article uh, called Walgreens Broaches Possible Health Benefits of Medical Marijuana on Huffington Post. I actually got it through another news site, but it made quite the rounds this week. In fact, it appearing on uh, Jimmy Fallon's monologue the other night. And I thought this would be a great. Uh, stepping off point for our discussion uh, that we've had uh, in a podcast that we've done last year on medical marijuana and also the ebook that we had published. So I thought this was mm-hmm. kind of a national movement that's beyond just the hippies in Oregon or Washington or, or Alaska or Colorado. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. This is kind of something a little bit more. So that's yeah. why I thought this was important to bring to you know our discussion today. And the date of the article from HuffPost Business is 4.30 of 2016. Yeah, so it's just last week, last Thursday or Friday. The article is entitled, Walgreens Broaches Possible Health Benefits of Medical Marijuana. The subtitle is, National Brands Haven't Taken a Stance on Weed Yet, But They've Been Forced to Acknowledge It. And this one's by Andy Campbell. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I, I was kind of uh, dumbfounded as to why it became such a big topic but that's because we've been talking about it for so long. We have been talking. And you know, it's funny because a year ago when we published our folio, the national discussion with regard to medical marijuana or cannabis was really kind of poking fun more often than not. You know, like, oh, those crazy hippies, they want to make their weed now, you know, right. a prescription, ha ha. Right, yeah. Or it was just venomous Mm anti-cannabis you know it it was really that's where it was at and one of the things that is kind of neat about this is that walgreens has now turned it into something that says hey no actually there's there's an intelligent discussion we should have here yeah which shocked me (laughs) i I, well i i like that they're actually talking about the benefits and but not saying it on the other side which is the uh, marijuana cures everything. It's right. It's, they've, they've got blah, a nice, blah, blah, you know. yeah, the article, the Huffington post article was, uh, created or derived from as a reaction to the Walgreens blog on Tumblr, mm-hmm. where they had an article mm-hmm. called what is medical marijuana clarifying clinical cannabis. Yep. And we read through it. It's, it's got good information in it. It's fairly yeah. lightweight, but it's got sure. good, good Good real information. It has in a it. nice short listing of some fairly significant diseases that it yeah. helps with, and then they had a, a bunch of citations to mm-hmm. back that up. And I mean, all they're doing is entering into the conversation. And right. naturally, with Walgreens, they're entering into the conversation because you know their their plan is to eventually sell it on their stores. Oh no! You know that's the thing that I found so great about this. I didn't realize Walgreens was a prohibition bucker. Yeah, <laughs> I thought that was awesome. Yeah, yeah, that was something you, Patrick, you brought that to the table. I didn't realize that. And when I read the Walgreens thing, I I thought, oh. 
wow, this is a giant pharmaceutical company. And here I am having to agree with them. I'm a little concerned. I feel upset. I, I'm not feeling this is right. There's something wrong with the world. No, stopped watches oh. is accurate twice a day. Yeah, yeah. Sure. yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> as it turns out, Walgreens is like back during prohibition. They were Alcohol selling, they yep. had, they had whiskey prescriptions they were filling. Yes. Which is awesome because, you know, I'm all about that kind of interesting ways to skirt the law. And, and you know, I, I think that's kind of cool. Yeah. So now I'm feeling a lot more comfortable with being okay with Walgreens. Oh, okay. right. It really is the gateway drug. Okay. <laughs> so do you think they'll be uh, offering uh, prescription marijuana in their facilities just like they did back oh, in the 1920s? I'm fairly certain that's based on they're what I read in their blog. Yeah. They're setting themselves yeah. up to do exactly that. Yep. Though I mean, it's not like it's going to endanger their store, and they've got opioids available in their store, mm-hmm. yeah, be in the pharmacy. So right. they don't have yeah, they to have, have any different security. They have drugs and pharmaceuticals that are far more dangerous mm-hmm. that they carry regularly. Yep. So I wonder if they'll be able to do that because, as the article had said too, that you know it's available through licensed dispensaries. Right. Not that I don't think Walgreens can have become a licensed dispensary, but whether mm-hmm. or not. Their store in the way that it is at the moment would allow a dispensary, or would they right. enter the market as a Walgreens dispensary and have their own standalone brick and mortar, like in Oregon, as their own you right. know, dispensary? I'm sure they're yeah. selling it already at, at Marinol for cancer patients. That just doesn't like Which, that is, is Marinol. So, oh, sorry, it, that's uh, a synthetic. For, it's a synthetic, synthetic version yeah. of marijuana. So yeah. it's loaded with, with those CBDs. The CBDs, yes, yeah, CBDs. Okay. Yeah. So they're already, I'm betting, I, don't, I, they're I probably, haven't looked it up, but I'm sure that's exactly where people are getting it from. Is, yeah, because where else would they get it? Where else would they get it? <laughs> but, but therein, what you're talking about, Sue, is a product that's not the same as what you would get if you went to a dispensary. Right. Which you would have the ability to choose a bud. Right. Right. And, well, it wouldn't and be like a the, gourmet shop, but... Well, no, no. Well, yeah. I'm you not know, suggesting that. In their blog, though, they talk about different methods of delivery. Right. They include smoking. They include eating. Yes. You yeah. know, I mean, they include the oil. Yes. They're including the standard methods that most dispensaries will carry. Mm-hmm. So it's not like they're, they're setting... I think they're setting up to set up, include dispensary type of mm-hmm. marijuana from their own place. And I just wonder, how is that going to look? Will it be a separate or will it just be incorporated into yeah. the existing pharmacies? Are, but I can absolutely see you know, the, the oil that you mm-hmm. that people put under their gum line. Yeah. You know, that that would be an easy thing for them to sell. That'd be, yeah, you know, they don't really have to have jars of dry pot sitting no, on their back, but no. they could ease. There's right. a lot of prescription there's strength that's just getting a company, a bigger company, to invest in making it and then they're selling it. And there's yeah. actually a surprising number of fairly large groups that are making like those oils and stuff just yep. because the demand has been high yep. in Colorado. And look for that here in Oregon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the industry's growing fast. My concern with it is that I hope, like prescription whiskey, it continues to be something that we can choose to use or not use without a prescription as well. Right. You want I more don't, micro brews, right? Yeah, you know, microbrews and, you know, I want to be able to, I don't want to use it recreationally necessarily, but I want to be able to not need to have a doctor and an insurance company decide whether or not I use it. Mm -hmm. I want to make my own choice and that's a plant. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm not, I'm okay with Marinol, 
being something that's only prescription available. It's right. synthetic. It's not a real plant. It's not something I could make in my own kitchen. Fine. Mm-hmm. But the things that I can make in my own kitchen, tincture, that should be legal. Right. I should and be it able. Isn't in Oregon. Yeah. yeah. The tincture, you have to purchase it in Oregon, mm-hmm. you know. Is, so that makes yeah, me angry. Whatever. Let's not even go there. Right. <laughs> but we do well, have a lot yeah. of information in our ebook. Yes, we do. It. And actually, we have information on how to make your own tincture, how to make your own oils, how to make your own cannabis infused oil or cannabis pure resin oils. Right. I mean, we've got the information for you on how to make these things. Not that we're saying you should in states that do not allow it. Of course. But <laughs> where it's legal. Where it's legal. Here's the information for educational purposes. Here's the information for everybody. And for anybody that's interested in or has a loved one who's interested in or using mm-hmm. cannabis as a medicine, particularly for specific diseases yeah. like multiple sclerosis or right. Parkinson's or just a whole long whole list, list of them. And the real drive on that ebook was definitely the medicinal side yes. of, of marijuana, not yeah. the recreational side. Right. Of yeah. It was strictly... Yeah. Uh, written about as a herb for medicinal use. Yeah, if you want to really understand how CBD and CBN and THC function in your body on a chemical level, as well as what the reactions are that you're likely to see on a greater macro physical level, that folio gives you a good grounding. And we've got a really solid resource section, so you know where to start looking for more in-depth information. If Mm -hmm. you want better science, for instance, to help your physician understand why that might be the best method of treatment for a loved one mm-hmm. or yourself. Right. You know, you can use that. And where can they get that again? Where can they, yeah, <laughs> go to the Practical Herbalist website and then we've got links right there to the Amazon yes. website for buying it. So if you're there, you could search under medical marijuana and they would find us. Find cannabis. Book. Yeah, cannabis. Yeah. Cannabis. Yes. So search cannabis and you'll find the article and the link. Or if mm-hmm. you're on Amazon, just search The Practical Herbalist and I'm sure all of our books have come up and that will be yeah. one of them. And we do have mm-hmm. entries on Practical Herbalist site on other pieces of about cannabis as well. I'll make sure I include a link to the cannabis folio in the show notes as well. Yeah. Okay, cool. Now it's time for the preview of our next show. And our next show is on roses. Roses. The wild rose of Texas. (laughs) I have no idea what that melody is supposed to be. I don't think think we actually (laughs) sung in this in the upcoming podcast, no, we talked a lot about roses and how to grow them. And we talked about some growing, some inspiration, harvesting. where we find inspiration on them, mm-hmm. making good choices about the rose varieties yes. that you choose to grow. Yep, that's right. And harvesting rose hips and harvesting petals. And we have a jolly good time. We did. It's a rose. How yes. can you not? I don't know. How can you not? We seem to accomplish it. And and it's good just to remind people that some things you don't think about as medicinal have wonderful medicinal qualities that should not be forgotten. So true. Mm-hmm. Yep. So the next show will be published early next week. And look for it. This show is brought to you by Hunter Creation, helping you find print and online marketing solutions that fit your needs. Visit them at huntercreation.com.